Hello and welcome to the Railway Men podcast. It's a slightly different pod to the normal format today, as there's no football to talk about this week. So instead, what we've decided we're going to do is we're going to split this pod into three parts. The first is our prize draw. Now, we've been doing this for a little while, trying to raise money for bone cancer research in honour of Ashton Hume. Um, Alex, you're with me today. Hi, Alex. Hello, Stu. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good. Now, the reason you're with me is because you uh, very generously volunteered to buy a shirt or I think a £50 voucher, whichever it is that the person who wins would like. Um, yep. So the two of us, we're going to draw out three names. Um, now, before we do that, we've raised £697, which is an incredible feat or an incredible amount, isn't it, Alex? Fantastic going. And everyone that has donated, thank you so much. It's for a really good cause. Um we're going to get some money, just a hundred quid with me and the, the club draw as well. So we'll put hundred quid in the club coffers, buy money at the club too. But more importantly, raising it for a really worthwhile charity. So win-win all round. And thanks everyone that has taken part and donated. Yeah, absolutely echo that. Um, so I was just having a little look at who has donated the names, because obviously they're all going to be on a little spinny wheel that we're going to use in a second. There's eight names on there who are some of our panelists that we have on and I was a little bit worried that um, we might have panelists winning and people saying this is a fix so I got in touch with a maths teacher friend of mine and he said that with all eight of them having three chances of winning each there's a 39% chance that one of them will win something however there's a 0.02% chance of all three of them going to our panelists so I'm really keeping my fingers crossed that doesn't happen because I don't want anyone to be accusing me of Organise an inside job. So, Alex, you can now see the screen, yes? I can, yes. Excellent. So we've got all of the names there from everybody who donated and all of the people who put their names, because some people did choose to donate anonymously just to give money to the cause. But uh, obviously, I don't know who that is, so your name is not included. Now, I'm going to spin the wheel. Alex is going to shout stop. I'm going to press stop on the spin the wheel, and we're going to find out who our winners are. So, if you want to just, Stu, just to be clear, first prize is the signed shirt that the club yes. have put up. So, yeah, the first two times we do this, this is for the shirt or the £50 voucher from Alex and I. And then the last one will be for the signed shirt that the club have generously donated. Perfect. So, Alex, uh, I'm going to start it. And if you shout stop when you want to stop. Yep. It looks like it's spinning really slowly on my screen. <laughs> is it spinning that slowly on yours? I don't know what speed it's spinning on yours. Whenever you're ready. Uh, I will say stop. Okay, just coming to a close now then. Oh, it's still spinning. Yeah, it's got to stop, hasn't it? The drama. <laughs> okay, Richard Sandland, you are our first winner. Let me make a little note of that. Well done, Richard. Okay, so we'll start again. And again, this is for the second uh, one of the club shirts. Sorry, the the shirts or the £50 voucher for the club shop. Whenever you're ready, Alex. Uh, and we will stop it again now. Oh, very close to Tim. 
Very oh, In fact, it is Aaron Lewis, our very own Aaron Lewis. Well done, Aaron. So we'll have to work out, Alex, if you or I want to give Aaron money. Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm buying the voucher to make sure the money goes in the club. <laughs> okay, the final one then. This is the big one. This is for the signed crew shirt. Whenever you're ready again, Alex. Am I meant to do something that builds up the tension for everyone? Nope, just shout stop. Stop. Okay, it is coming to a close. Okay, it is Joanna Higginson. So congratulations, Joanna. There was a, a short minute there where we were one or two away from Steve Han. But yeah, I did. I did. I sort of say stop as I'm not looking at the screen. So there's no accusations of bias. But then when I've said stop and I'm looking for it to settle down, I did see Steve's name in the mix. Yeah, almost. Almost, almost, Steve. Sorry. Okay, so congratulations to Richard, to Aaron and to Joanna. Um, We'll get in touch with you and we'll see how best to get that across to you. Next, we're going to hear from Rich. Now, Rich is from the Loathe Stranger podcast, the Swindon fan podcast uh, to discuss next Saturday's game that we'll hope will go ahead. So I'm joined now by Rich from the Loathe Stranger podcast again uh, to give us the Swindon side of the preview. Um, Hi, Rich. Hello. Thank you for having me on again. Not a problem. So before we start thinking about this game coming up next week, uh, obviously we've already played once this season. It was quite a good game from a crew point of view. What was the Swindon take on that game at Gresty Road? It's an interesting one because it's a game that I've been thinking of quite a bit recently in the terms of the game before the the Gresty Road fixture. We played Oxford and we beat them and it was a real high. And then we went to Crewe and it started well, didn't it? So Swindon sort of went into that two-goal lead but and then lost 4-2. But the reality was is we should have lost that game 6-7-8-2 because it was probably the strongest performance um, that we've faced this season, you know, um, and I, the reason I think about it is because had we held on to that lead, I don't know where the season would have gone because it would have, you know, it could have been like a snowball effect in that respect. Maybe not, but you do wonder. No, it was it was a completely dominant display by crew. They were relentless um, at times. And our man of the match was a goalkeeper who, you know, we sent back because he wasn't very good this season, but he got man of the match because he, he kept us from a cricket score. So, yeah, I, I think most Swindon fans acknowledge that we thoroughly, thoroughly got outplayed and deserved to lose. And since then, it's been an absolute horror show. Yeah, let's talk about that then, if you don't mind doing that, because yeah. you just said that it could have changed the season potentially. Um, what's been happening with Swindon since, for any crew fan that doesn't know? Well, we're not very good, first and foremost, if you want, if you want from the surface layer. Um, the, the, the faith in the manager, John Sheridan, is, is as low as I've ever experienced faith in a Swindon Town manager. Um, we concede a lot of goals. We don't score many. And we see whenever we do have a positive result, we never follow it up. So when we have won since uh, the crew game, which I think is what? one game Ipswich two games two games including Wigan we follow it up with Dross um there's large sort of 
noises that the players are unhappy. Um, there's huge noises that the fans are unhappy, but Lee Power, the Swimming Town owner, is sticking by John Sheridan, and John Sheridan is getting asked the question, are you going to resign? And he's saying, why would I resign? I'm in a good job. So um, it's it's been it's been really, really bad, and it's based on poor tactics, players getting bombed out. We don't know who's injured and who's on the naughty step. Um, we know three players would have missed out against Bristol Rovers because they turned up late to a um, meeting, which is fine. Those things happen. You can't put John Sheridan, um, well, you can't hold him accountable for that sort of punishment, but would a fine been better had, you know, instead because we need every player available at the moment. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's not been fun at all, but, you know, that's life. We, we, we deal with it. <laughs> um, so, Obviously, John Sheridan's been in. It was his first transfer window. Did it much change in January with the squad? Quite a lot. Um, so we lost. So we sent back the goalkeeper. As I said, Matty Kovash went back to Manchester United. Our best player uh, throughout the season was a lone player called Matthew Smith, who was sent back, not injured. Um, he was sent back for football reasons, which puzzled town fans. And then he joined Charlton. 24 hours later, um, but we believe it's not related. We don't think Arsenal recalled to send him somewhere else. Swindon made that call. Um, we lost Johnny Smith, who's now gone to Burton, and Burton have won the last two games, and he scored the winner on his debut. Um, but, you know, he his confidence was shot at Swindon. Um, our most creative player, uh, Delan Jayasimi, got sold on deadline day in the very last hour minutes of that um, because Charlton matched his release clause. Um, you want my opinion, you know, those release clause are there for a year, two years down the line, not for the first window, not for the first opportunity. Mm -hmm. So we cashed in on that. Uh, Lee Power came out, the owner, and said we were sort of struggling to pay the players beyond January. But Swindon still signed somebody for an undisclosed fee during the window, Christopher Missalou. So if you're that broke, are you really putting money, you're sending money to Northampton? I'm not so sure. We also turned down bids for Scott Twine, who, when we last talked, was scoring loads of great goals with Newport County, where he was on loan. We recalled him. He scored a wonderful long-distance effort in front of Sky Sports cameras on his first game back. And then he's faded into obscurity ever since, sadly, because that is what the John Sheridan effect is to Swindon fans. Sadly, you know, he seems to sap all the all the confidence and quality from the players that we do have. And it isn't the worst squad we've ever had in the world um, and and result in the squad that we have at the moment. Players coming in. So Matty Palmer came back from loan from Wigan. We've got Miss Salou. We've got a few more loan players. Some have already dropped out injured. One has already returned, Mark Travers, who was the replacement goalkeeper. He was brilliant. We had faith in our goalkeeper again and Bournemouth have called him back. There's no injuries at Bournemouth. Um, so we don't know what's happened there. Connor Masterson from QPR, he looks like he's injured for the rest of the season as well. You see a pattern here. You know, players are not sticking around. We had one player coming, Kieran, Kieran Freeman, who we got on a free. He joined Swansea on deadline day as well. Just, just absolute chaos. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's very odd. It's it's hard to be upbeat. The, the the only thing that we hold on to at Swindon is that we're not out of touch from the safety 
um, of the non-relegation places. We're not sure how that's happened, but we're still there and we, we hope that we can get enough points, but we're down as it stands, I would say. Well, I was going to ask that because obviously it's quite tight at the bottom, isn't it? About seven Very. clubs all on about three points of each other. Yeah. Um, is that the goal then? Is that, uh, is that an achievable goal, staying up this season? It, it, it's achievable. It's always achievable because the bottom end of League One isn't isn't full of quality, you know, and that's the problem with when you support a team, you focus so much on your own form and your own players that you don't realise there's Northampton dropping like stones, Wimbledon, you know, and Burton are struggling and Bristol Rovers, who were supposed to play this weekend, but didn't happen. So you've got to have hope. And the hope from the Swindon perspective is that a new manager or a different manager comes in and just galvanizes the squad makes them feel good about themselves again and then you know build on there's no guarantee a new manager will keep this side up the damage might be already done we know that but we just want to go down swinging as opposed to the performances that we're we're putting out at the moment so i would say right now we're going down um but you always live in hope and it's not too late it's not too late to change the season john sheridan is only contracted till may that's not the biggest payout that you're ever going to get in the world so it's just it's just all dependent on an owner who doesn't want to be owner of the football club. So it's, it's, it's a big old mess. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to leave it there because uh, there's, there's <laughs> quite a lot of negativity coming from the Swindon point of view. So, I mean, maybe as a crew fan, people listening to this are going to be uh, quite op- optimistic about Saturday's game. Before I do let you go, Rich, can I get a prediction from you for the game down in Wiltshire? Well, if crew are firing off all cylinders, we're going to lose. So if, if crew go in there, and even if they just play an organised game, you're going to win 2-0, two, 1-0. Two nil, nil. Um, we're not getting smashed a lot at the moment, but teams aren't going full metal jacket on us. They're not, they're not really trying. Um, they don't need to. They get their goal, they get their second goal, and then they sort of they, they, they play out the rest of the game. So, I mean, I would say, if I was to predict right now, I'd say 2-1 crew um, and and the respite of the no games over the week will will return to the chaos and anarchy of loud noises from Swindon fans for John Sharon to go. So I'm going to say 2-1 crew. Perfect. Thank you for that, Rich. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Right, so uh, you've just heard Rich there go for a 2-1 crew win. Um, I said to all of the panellists today, if they fancied making a prediction, if they wanted to improve their PPG, they could. If they didn't, they wanted to protect what they had already, they could do that as well. I've had two text messages back. One is from my brother, Neil. He's got nothing to lose. He's not got any points yet. So, you know, any other attempt to have a go is good for him. And he's taken one for the team. He said, if he predicts a Swindon win, then crew will win. So he went for a 2 nil Swindon win. Aaron, he has gone for the opposite. He's gone for a 2-1 crew win. And no one else uh, predicted anything. Alex, are you going to have a go today? Well, I think I've got joint top spot at the moment. So I should protect, but I'm not, you know, no guts, no glory. I will predict. Uh, and I will go for a... 3-1 crew win. We'd have had two weeks off. The players will be rested and recuperated and I think we'll see a lively performance off the back of it. Excellent. Thank you, Alex. Okay, so as I said, there's three parts to this podcast today. Our final part is our interview with our two ex-crew players, Billy Waters and John Guthrie. 
Um, now, this was recorded to be released uh, at the end of Feb, just before John plays in the Scottish League Cup final. So there's a little bit in there where we discuss the upcoming game. Obviously, bear that in mind as you're listening, as this is being released slightly early. But other than that, thank you, Alex, for popping on. Quite all right, Stu. And once again, just a thanks to everyone that's taken part. Um, hope you get well soon, Ashton, and everything's going all right, little man. Yeah, absolutely. Again, echo everything you said. And everyone else, enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. I'm here with two of our regular panellists, as always. Uh, if you listen to our latest ex-player pod with Abdul Osman, you'll recognise them. It is Russ and James. Hi, you guys. Hi, mate. How are you? Hello. Good. Cheers. Um, pleased to be back for another one? Absolutely. Very excited for this one. Two players from my youth again. Very excited. Okay. So, as Russ just said, this one is slightly different. Normally, it's an ex-player pod. But just like our Steve McCauley and Sean Smith episode today, it's players. And also, they are ex-crew players, but they're certainly not ex-football players. Both are still playing and both are currently having great seasons. So, I best introduce them then. They are Billy Waters and John Guthrie. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thank you for coming on the pod. No, no problem. Pleasure. We're going to start at the beginning then, guys. Billy, you were born just outside London in Epsom, I believe. Yeah, I can't really say I was there for long though to be honest I think we moved when I was about six months old um, right. okay. I moved up to Silverstone in Northamptonshire and uh, was there for eight years and then moved up to Crewe uh, well Nantwich when I was about nine ten I think it was yeah okay so about 10 years old John you're from Devizes in Wiltshire um, yeah, that's, yeah that's what that's what's on my my uh, passport I've a bit of a wheel I was born in my grandma's house so there's no hospital around there so they just put me on the local <laughs> town <laughs> not really doing anything for the southwest image there john no 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 so billy i think we'll start with you because you were a little bit younger than john when you joined crew how yeah. does that happen for you um so uh like i said before i was down in silverstone in northampton and um i was in the northampton center of excellence so when we moved up north my dad sort of phoned up crew because he knew about their sort of reputation bringing players through um and he just said, oh, look, my, we, I've had to move my family up north. My son was at Northampton. Um, he wasn't released. It was just, you know, we moved. So they said, yeah, come on, come in, have a look at him. Um, and then I was there for about 10 weeks, I think, and wasn't successful with the trial, they sort of said, which was fair enough. Unless he's sort of in the, the top four in the squad, um, then we won't take him. Uh, so I went to Stoke, um, similar thing my dad sort of said look he you know explained it all and uh, went really well at Stoke got got I think I signed for him for about two years and then we we played crew I think in an academy game and I think we beat him about 6-3 or something uh, and then afterward after that I got called I think I don't know it, it was all from my parents went went in and met with Steve Holland and crew said basically you know we, we want you back and then I was there ever since uh, from then on really how old were you when you joined the academy? Uh, I think I was 11 or 12. Pretty young. Yeah, yeah. So we recently had an episode with Steve Foster, who's, you know, a little bit before your guys' time, but he said he went from Man United to Crew, and the training at the Crew Youth, like the academy, blew away what he was getting at Man United. Would you say that was the same for you then, coming from Northampton, then experiencing Stoke? Was it better or was it not quite so good at that stage? 
No, yeah, it, it was like I think when I when I joined Crew, it was it was a lot more professional. Everybody had sort of like squad numbers. It was quite like for a young lad uh, when I just moved in, it was quite intimidating going in because there were so many players of you know there were Ryan Colclough was there and he was unbelievable and sort of the caliber of players there was was a cut above what I was used to at, at Northampton and and Stoke to be honest with you. Um, so it was, it, it, and obviously the setup was incredible. We were in the dome, we were out on the Astro, and so it was. Yeah, it was. It was almost a, a cut above, really. Who else was in your your year? Ryan Colclough, Anyone else that sort of made it into the first team fold? Uh, no, not 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 at that age. Ryan was is the only one from when I first joined at that age. Um, obviously Liam Nolan, but he joined when when we were sort of under sixteen. So. That that young group, there was only um, only myself and Ryan, I think. Okay, so John, if we come to you then, yep. you were playing for is it Pusey Vale? Is that how I say it? <laughs> <laughs> Almost uh, Pusey Vale. Pusey Vale, good, yeah. lovely. So, how did you go from the Wessex League to South Cheshire? Then, how does that happen? Um, it was really random, to be honest. I just remember I was just playing, had a game, um, obviously for Pusey, and um, I got. A, my manager pulled me after the game, said there was a, a crew scout of the game. I've, I've no idea what he was doing down there, to be honest. Um, you know, sort of the level I was at, you know, no one really goes pro or anything. Um, and he said he wanted to get in contact with me. So he got in contact with me the next couple of days and sort of said he, was, he would try and sort me out a trial at crew. Um, I didn't really think anything of it at the time because um, I didn't think anything would happen or because it was something I'd never really thought about, never really expected. Um, then obviously I went up, went invited me up for a trial game. I played in a game for the for the reserves. Um, did did really well. They asked me back for an, another two games. Played with Bill. Had an absolute nightmare to be honest. Um, I was terrible for two games, but for some reason they asked me back for another trial. So then I stand, ended up coming back up for. I think I was ended up being on the trial for like three months or something. Um, I think it was like from November till the end of January um, and then they said they wanted to sign me and yeah it just went from there it was all a bit crazy really so it was literally like the standard I was playing at is so so low down in the non-league um, table it's just something something out of the blue really. Am I right in thinking you were 16 when you made your Wessex? Wessex? Yeah Wessex league debut. Yes yeah I was 16 I think yeah 16 would have been um, but it was really it's just it was my local village team, and I was just basically playing with my mates. Um, this tiny little village team. Billy's actually been down there to see what it's like. It's you get, you know, you you get your twenty fans there. You pay your three pound subs or whatever, um, three pint if we won a game, which was a big bonus. But um, yeah, so I played for them up, and I think it was nineteen when I went up to Crew. So I was there just for three, four years with my mates, but um, worked out in the end. John, you mentioned you were on trial for maybe three months there. Mm-hmm. Was the times when you were got fed up or you thought it's not worth your time or anything like that? Not really, no, just because of, you know, the opportunity before, I, like I said, I was just, I wasn't really doing it. I was just working at Waitrose at the time. Um, wasn't really going anywhere. Like I said, just playing football with my mates. Um, there was time, at first, I, when I first originally went up, I struggled just because I hadn't really been away from my family. I'd gone up to a place I didn't know anyone. I was lucky. I was. They put me up in digs with this woman who was really nice, to be fair. Um, but it was it was quite hard at first, but you know the longer I was there, the more sort of I wanted it. So I wouldn't say I was frustrated. I probably didn't expect to be up there for three months without a decision. 
But, um, you know, it was getting to train every day, getting to play football every day, which obviously I had never done before. So just sort of went with it. I thought it'd be worth, worth taking the risk. Totally irrelevant question, but are you still a Waitrose man? No, no, definitely not. I can't afford <laughs> that anymore. <laughs> nah, straight up Tesco's I am. <laughs> so, John, I'm going to stick with you if I can. You made your first team debut first. You came on um, as a late sub, I believe, in a, a win over Swindon. Yeah. So, your local team, I imagine. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I'm about 10, 15 minutes outside of Swindon. So, it was a bit um, how it ended up being that way. What do you remember about that day then? Um, well, the actual game, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't actually touch the ball. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I came on right wing or something crazy as well. Um, but no, obviously, obviously it was good to, you know, I'd been there a while before I'd made my debut because I signed in, it was the season after I'd signed. I signed in the January, obviously didn't play any of that season. So it took me a while, but no, I was, I was just buzzing just to get on the pitch, really. Um the night was ruined because I got drugs tested straight after it. It took me hours, so I was at the ground the whole night. But um, how fuzzy. Did you have uh, lots of family there? Did they expect you to make to come on that day, or not really? No, no, I had no no idea it was going to happen. Um, so no, no family. They managed to get to my first start, which was nice. I sort of got the heads up for my first start that I was going to be starting. So they managed to get to that, and that was down in Bournemouth, which wasn't too far from me. So that worked out well as well. But for my actual debut, no one was there, unfortunately. So that was the 2012-2013 season, but um, your breakthrough for playing most or lots of games in the first team was the next season, 2013-14. Billy, you also made your debut that season. You came on as a sub quite a few times, but then you made your first start. Was it away at Peterborough and got an assist to Chucks? How did that game feel for you? Um, I'm going to have to be completely honest. I don't. I didn't get an assist that game. <laughs> I don't know why they've stuck me down as an assist. I'd love oh, to and say I got it. Stats, Billy, take it. Yeah, doing, Bill. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> nah, Peterborough was just. I think it was just. It was a pretty. I can't remember. I think when we Chuck scored. Yeah, I remember that. We lost four two. Yeah, and it was just a. I mean, I didn't do anything great. I didn't do anything bad. It was just. I mean, I got dragged at half time, which obviously I was a bit. Bit annoyed about because I just, but at the same time I wasn't really doing anything. But it was just a bit of a dead game, really. So not really the full debut that you know I'd want to forget probably rather than remember. <laughs> John, so you were playing mostly left back at that stage, weren't you? Or, yeah. or sort of all across the back, if I remember, right back, left back, centre back, but mostly left back. Was that annoying, or did you sort of just take what you could get at that stage? Uh, yeah, pretty much. It was just would have played anywhere they decided to get me into the team at left back which I was more than happy to do just you know get a run in the team um more than happy to do that it was took me a sort of while to get used to it because it obviously it's a bit different from playing centre back but no like I said I was just buzzing to get a go really so I mean I remember I didn't watch an awful lot of crew that season but my brother had a season ticket and he thought that you would be one of the better centre-backs at the club if you were played there, but you were being played at left-back, which you obviously hadn't really played at and weren't too comfortable with. Did did that Was that the feeling that you had as well? Like, just play me in the position I should be playing in? Pretty much, yeah. Um, like I said, I was buzzing to get in at the team at left-back. I would have took that. But after a while, you know, you, you want to play in the position, you know, I was having doing all right. I was having some nightmare games at left-back as well. I was thinking, I don't really want to be out here. Um, and at the time, you know, I was looking at the other centre-backs and not saying I was better than them, but I felt like I deserved to go there at least, um, which it 
I didn't get for a while. Um, obviously, we conceded, conceded a lot of goals as well. So I felt like even even sometimes I'd get in at centre back, I'd have a good game or two. I'd think I'd get a run on the team, and then I'd get either dropped or pushed out to left back. So I never felt like it took me a while to get a fair crack at centre back, especially in the first couple of years. So, Billy, on a similar theme to that, then it, John, you know, frustrated at playing left back rather than centre back. Did you ever feel that? you didn't really get a fair crack of the whip because you were sort of built as the next one off the taxi rank at the Crew Academy. And then it never sort of felt like you were getting the opportunities. You know, obviously a forward, a wide player. There's lots of players in the squad in your time at the club. Did you ever feel that you were sort of overlooked though? Um, I think like when, when I did get sort of get my chance, it was the start of the, of the season. Um, and I think lack of lack of players at the club was sort of, the chance that that I got because um, I think I started sort of like the first twelve or thirteen games, um, and I'd scored I think three goals, and so that was that was that was that's what I remember at Crew as a professional really is sort of you know a short but sweet sort of run in the team, um, and I was I was fortunate to get that chance, uh, but then after that I don't think I really played for the rest of the season, and then obviously got released at the end of the year, so I think not. Maybe overlooked in terms of I, I wasn't given another chance in the team. I sort of dropped, and then that was it, really. Um, and that was quite tough to take, where because I'd been reading, you know, articles about people saying I'd done well, and fans were coming up to me saying like, "You've been one of the brightest sparks so far this season." Um, but looking back, you know, as a young lad, and we were we were in a, you know, we were struggling. We were right down at the bottom of the table. So I guess something had to change. Yeah, you've just mentioned that you were released after that after that second season, um, you still had a year left on your contract, didn't you? Which is quite an unusual situation, or is that...? Uh, it, was an, it was an option in the club's favour, um, so they decided not to sort of take it up. Um, so, yeah, it, I wasn't actually under contract. It was, if they wanted to have kept me, they could have just triggered another year, but they chose not right. to. Um, and how was that news broken to you? Have you talked fairly early on, or...? Yeah, I'd sort of said... You know, I'd like to go out on loan. Um, I think that was back in January, February, because, you know, I wasn't getting game time. Um, and he said, you know, you've got to stick around and keep fighting for your place. And for me, it was just, I just wanted to get out and play games and get experience. Um, but when it got to the sort of latter end of the season, I, I knew I was I knew I was getting released. Um, so it came as, as no surprise. Um, I just had to go to the ground from meeting with Steve and, and, and that was that really. Did you did you leave Crew after those, you know, two seasons really playing in the first team with a sense of unfinished business that you didn't really get the opportunity to do as well as you could for the club for yourself? Yeah, I did. If if I'm being completely honest, um I sort of left with, you know, frustrated um because I didn't think I'd been given, you know, the the opportunities that I needed um, and I didn't think I'd I'd finished my time there you know I was still confident that I could have done well in the first team played more games um, I never felt like I really got going and you know I, I had that chat with Steve um, in, in our final meeting and he said you know I think you've developed as far as you can go here you need to go elsewhere um, so you know and it, it, it worked out well in the end but yeah I remember you scored a couple of nice goals for Crew. Though you scored a nice slided back post finish against Barnsley. 
Am I yeah. right? And yeah. Then you made a lovely backfield assist for Toots as well, didn't you, in that game? Yeah, yeah. That that, that sort of got me going because I'd come on. I think I'd started against Fleetwood on the Saturday. That was first game of the season, and that was that was tough because first game of the season and it was so intense. Um, and then in Barnsley, I'd sort of scored a goal and got an assist, and and then we played him again on the. Saturday that was that was in the cup and then on the Saturday we played him again and I scored against him again so that was probably the best feeling I ever had at crew because I was thinking right I'll get myself going now because obviously it was you're a young pro as well so people coming up to me saying Carl you could get 10 goals this season and I'm thinking 10 I'll get I'll get 30 at this rate like I've scored <laughs> two already and it's, we've played three games but you know I think sort of came back down to earth you know a few months later and then it was sort of like the reality of football if you will you know out the team again and not getting a sniff the other one that springs to mind was in your second year away at Yeovil it was a, a it was against Yeovil wasn't it yeah yeah I got a rebound from the Dane shot I think yeah Bill you mentioned your your final chat was with Steve there um at that time it was James Collins and Steve wasn't it the managerial team did you uh, feel uh, Neil Baker was assistant at the time. Okay. Yeah. Did you feel like there was a good mix of sort of tactical analysis and um, man management? How did they split that? And do you think they could have done that better to manage you? Yeah. And and I had that chat with Steve. Um, and looking back, you know, I was a young pro and probably, you know, maybe a bit too honest in my final chat with him. But I just said, you know, I've been poorly managed um, because I was, uh, you know, as a, as a young pro, I was sort of out in the dark with it. I got dropped and, and nothing was said to me and I, there was no sort of indication of what I could do to get back in. Um, so for me, you know, I had that chat with him and I, and, and I said that, but Bates was always good with me. Um, he was just pretty, pretty solid, sort of said it how it was. So I always had a good relationship with him and, and James Collins um, was a, was my U team coach and, you know, I loved working with, with James and I thought he was class as a coach. Um, so I couldn't speak any more highly of him, to be honest with you. John, so we've not spoke to you for about five minutes and then you're probably not going to enjoy this next couple of questions. We're going to talk about the 2015-16 season. So Billy's gone. You're still at Crewe. Um, relegation back to League Two that season. Only seven league wins. What was it like playing in that team for that in that season? Yeah, um... Obviously, it was hard, um, you know, losing most weeks. Like you said, we just got ourselves in a rut. Um, I remember even sort of games we'd do well and we'd just end up losing. Um, and I think once you're down there, it's so hard to get out of. But, um, yeah, obviously, it was it was weird because obviously it was a terrible time for the club. You know, we were, we were poor all season, really. But for myself, you know, I was sort of felt like I was sort of establishing myself that season. So, although... It, don't get me wrong, it was a hard season, um, you know, for the players and everyone. It wasn't nice, especially like you said, seven wins or something. I didn't know it was that low, to be honest. Um, it was hard, but, you know, I, I, I don't look at it, don't look back on it. It's like such a like bad time in my career in, in a weird way. Because, you know, I sort of felt like I played a lot of games and I was just sort of feeling like I'm sort of establishing myself. But um, no, obviously, to get relegated was horrible. I definitely thought you were one of the better players that season. You could you could see every time you went on the pitch, you you put your heart and soul into it as well. At the time, did you think you were possibly in the, in the better players in the squad, or did you feel like um, 
you were sort of still coming up and not actually one of the better players yet? Um, towards the end of the season, I sort of, you know, I felt like I was one of, doing one of the better players, um, probably one of the more consistent players. But having said that, we conceded so many goals that season. Um, and obviously being a defender, it wasn't nice. But, you know, definitely towards the end, I, you know, it's hard to say I had a good season because, like I said, we got relegated and conceded so many goals. But, I, you, know, you know, I sort of felt like I was more of the consistent ones out of the group. Um, but, but, yeah, so it's, it's just, it was, it's hard to explain that season. Yeah, obviously it was terrible, but, like, it was the first sort of, probably the first season I thought, like, you know, I could probably go on and have a career in this game or whatever. Well, you said that you were possibly one of, you know, the better players in the squad. Did you know you were on the call with the official Crolix, uh John Guthrie fan club president with Russ here? Oh, no, I didn't. Russ, do you want to show, do you I've been show John up. what you've got ready? Yeah, I've been absolutely stitched up here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've unveiled my John Guthrie number three, black and yellow away shirt. You found the one person that got your name and number on the back, John. Yeah, that's either that. My dad's normally the only other one with one. <laughs> Get that sign. Um, so, yeah, you're obviously doing something right because uh, Russ has still kept on to that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to that season, then I'm sorry. Um, was there any point that you sort of realised as a group, as you know, as yourself, that we're probably going to get relegated? At what point did that sort of become obvious? I remember having a, a chat with Foxy. Um, Emery in the changing rooms. Um, it was after a game. It was, I can't remember. Was, I can't remember, to be honest, I can't really remember how far into the season it was. I think it was quite near the end where you sort of, the writing was on the wall a bit and we just sort of sat down and said, look, we, like, no matter what was going on as a group of players, we weren't good enough, especially when you have that's bad a season. You know, you can blame manager and tactics or how they, we were treated, but at the end of the day, we knew it. We obviously weren't good enough. Um, and we sort of sat down with him and spoke about it for a bit. But I think we got we got, we got relegated quite early on in the season, didn't we? They were still quite at Port Vale, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember the place to go to get yeah, relegated. No, exactly. I got took off at half time in that game as well, just to sum that day up. Um, so yeah, as a group of players, you know, I think I think we knew. You know, you don't like saying it out loud, but I think subconsciously we sort of knew. As a squad, we we weren't good enough to stay up that league. I mean, I don't I don't think we were helped with some things, but as a group of players, we we just weren't good enough as a squad, really. Okay, I feel like I know what you're alluding to, um, Billy. You mentioned before that you didn't really think you were managed in the right way. Were you surprised, uh, John? This is more for you, but were you surprised to get to the end of the season without a change of manager? You know, th- was it thirty six points total, thirty four points total, something like that, at the end of the season? not really good enough was it not not no obviously obviously not um uh wasn't surprised at the time I'm not sure how I felt at the time think looking back probably just because that's football you know if teams are struggling managers tend I know that's probably not the way crew obviously did it especially with Steve taking over Dario who'd been there so long it's probably not the way they wanted to do it um would it have made a difference to be honest I don't think it would have um just because like I said I don't think as a as a squad, we were good enough. You know, we had some good players. Remember, if I look, compare it to like teams I played in now, especially at the moment, they didn't really have any leaders in the team. Um, had some good players and stuff, but looking back at the squad, there's no one really who was going to stand up, you know, and I can't, I can't even remember who was our captain that year, to be honest. I think it was um, Fox at the start. Yeah, Fox to start but, with, yeah. Was yeah. it? Yeah, if you don't get me wrong, I, 
probably he, Harry Davis. Was he still there at that point? Yeah, Harry, yeah, Harry would have been there. Yeah, he yeah. Also would have been. Yeah, um, but like I said, I don't think they were. We had enough characters sort of in that changing room to sort of lead us in and get us out of that. Looking back, you're probably thinking it could have made a change, but I, like I said, to be honest, I don't think it would have made too much of a difference managerial wise. So then that season finishes with, like I say, crew bottom of the league. Um, Billy, whilst this is going on, you're playing your first season for Cheltenham and it's fair to say you're flying top of the league, top of the conference and winning the league. How good was it for you to feel to be playing in a winning team all of a sudden after, you know, crew had been probably sort of losing more than they're winning at that stage when you were there? What yeah. what was different about that? I think it was just, it, it, I mean, I loved my time at Cheltenham just because it was the first year moving away from home, um, which I think I needed to grow up. Um, and then it was it was almost like, I think, like John said before about like leaders at crew, it's sort of, the, and you sort of understand it more when you when you come away from the club. I mean, I don't know what it's like now, obviously, but when we were there, it, it's quite like, um, because you've sort of grown up with each other, you're all mates, but it, it's quite a young and like a juvenile sort of attitude with when it comes to football. So I think the, the, most, the, the biggest thing I noticed when I went to Cheltenham was I was sort of like in a men's changing room, um, you know, surrounded by leaders and things like that. Um, so... Winning the league was was brilliant, and you know that season I I loved it. Um, living away from home, like I said, and 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 winning games, um, so it was brilliant. Yeah. And then the season after that, John, we're into your last season at Crew. Billy, you're back in the same division as Crew, both in League Two. We played in the cup that year as well, Billy. I'm sure you remember those cup games. Yeah. Well, I was actually home, uh, and John, I came back to Nantwich, and John came round for tea. And we watched the draw together and it was crazy because obviously we were going, oh, we're 100% drawing each other. And then what was it? It was like, I can't even remember. It was like, how many teams were left? It was something like 10 teams, wasn't it? There weren't many. There weren't many. I remember it. And he was going, no, we're actually going to draw each other. And then when we drew each other, we like the house erupted, didn't it? We yeah. couldn't believe it. Um, so, yeah, we played it four times that season, didn't we? Yeah, there was the replay and then the, well, so the first game and then the replay. It felt, and we were discussing this before you joined the call, the, the, the four of us, it felt like it meant quite a lot for you to score against Crew, like you're proving a point to the people at the club, maybe to yourself as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that was sort of like, um, I mean, when I scored at home in uh, the first tie, um, I was obviously buzzing, but I, I wanted to score at, at, at Gresty Road and it's like it's nothing to do with crew fans or anything like that, or or crew as a club, if you will. I think it was more as a young pro. It was you know the the man who'd, who'd released me, and you know I I took that personally. I think like the older I've got, the less I do take it personally because it's football. But at the time, I think I thought I've got to prove something to to this to this man. Um, and you know, I think a lot of players out there, you know, have that mentality. For me, it was it was good motivation. So when I scored at, at, at Gresty Road, yeah, I was very very pleased. But like I said, nothing against Crew fans or Crew as a club, because you know, there's there's some great people there. Every time we played against you, you looked like a player that we desperately needed, and that made it even more heartbreaking that we'd let you go for nothing a year or so before it as well. Thank you. Well, I think that's like that's what you've sort of got in your head when you're playing in those games, um, 
you know, you, you want to show that had you been given the chance and stayed that, you know, you could have been doing that in, in a crew shirt. Um, so yeah, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't in my mind when I was playing in those games. It's sort of like, I think you're always fired up more for, for games like that because it means something to you. John, so you are still at the club at that point. About halfway through the season, Steve Davis is sacked, I think, to the relief or joy of almost a unanimous crew fan base. <laughs> I I've, I mean, we did speak to Pete Mortis a while ago, and he said that there's going to be sort of like a, a re-evaluation of what Steve Davis did for the club. If that's the case, I don't think it's happened yet uh, amongst the fan base. You brought, Well, not you, but Dave Artel was brought in as manager. Was there anything that he did immediately that was just different to what Steve Davis was doing? Um, I remember, I remember we definitely, he definitely tried because I think in league, what the year we got relegated as well, sort of, and that the year in league two, we definitely went away from sort of playing the way crew wanted to. Um, you know, we started just, just, I don't really thinking about how, how they actually wanted us to play. It wasn't how, you know, the sort of the crew Alex way, if you will, you know, playing out from the back, we went, we went away from that. Um, I think when Dave came in, he tried to sort of, get back to that. Um, so we definitely started trying to, you know, get it down and, and pass it around more. Um, but it was more just about just instant trying to get us confident again. Um, you know, we for, for that year, we started really well. So we showed that, you know, we had a team capable of doing a lot better than we had that year, that year uh, definitely in my eyes. Um, she said, just, you know, trying to get back to, back to basics really, because we had definitely gone away from, from what we were trying to do in my, in my eyes anyway. Um, so it was just getting back to that. Um, and obviously, you know, since then he's obviously gone on and done that. And from what I've seen and what people have said to me, they're definitely playing, you know, back to playing really good football again. So he's done well. Was there any indication? I mean, you were there for about, what, about six months when he was manager. Was there any indication that this was going to happen, that, you know, he was going to build on it season on season on season and improve the team to, you know, last year promotion, let's be honest, probably going to win the league. Was was that obvious in your time, or was it sort of not quite the process quite there before you left? Uh, he, to be fair, he said he, I had a lot of chats with him that season. Um, you know, obviously about staying, and he, to be fair, he said to me, "Look, I'm not saying we'll get promoted next year, but he says in a couple of years we're going to be right up there. I'm going to build a team." At the time, I wasn't sure. Um, I wasn't convinced from it, cause, you know, with, with the squad there, I wasn't sure there was going to be that many changes. But obviously, what? Was it the third year after I'd left? They got promoted. Yeah. Um, so you know, obviously he, he was right in the end. He, he, I think, to be fair, he said to me, the season. So that season when I was still there, he said, next season we're going to be pushing for playoffs. We'll be up there. He said. He said the year after that, I can guarantee you we'll, we'll get promoted. Um, so he put his big shout. Obviously he was out by a year, but um, you know, fair play to him. He, he was confident when he came in that he'd get him going, and he did. So you're, all you're doing there, John, is building on the legend that Dave Artel's already got amongst the crew fan base. That not only is he a football genius, he's a prophet as well. <laughs> clearly, clearly. <laughs> so you left the club. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because there was, I, I think I remember hearing that you had a certain amount of time to sign the contract or it was going to be ripped up, I think was the words Dave Artel used. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, it was we had a lot, lots of sorts. So the day he came into the job, I remember he pulled me literally the first day he came in. Said, "Look, what can I'd had an offer from Steve, um, but not getting into all of it. But it, it wasn't. He sort of agreed with me that it wasn't a fair deal for me. Um, so he said, "That's not fair." You know, he said he, 
I want to sort of keep my better players, which he thought I was. Um, so we had a lot of chats over the rest of the season. In my head, it was always, if I had the opportunity to try and get back into League One, I was always, I was always really going to take that. Um, and I said, I said that to him from the start, which he sort of understood. Um, so yeah, he did, he said, it, we sort of got to the end of the season. He said, look, I need, I, he needs to know either way, just because obviously if I wasn't going to be there, he needs to get someone in. Um, so he did put a times, I was actually on holiday with Bill the, the day we were in Portugal, um, the day that he sort of said I had to let him know by. So I rang him from there. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was just for me at that point, I just wanted to get see, back into league one, play as high as I could and, you know, see where it, see where it went. Obviously it, didn't think of very well, so probably the wrong decision, but um, I wanted to then, yeah. Was there anyone else other than Warsaw interested? Yeah, I had a few offers. Um, I had a few offers from League One, a couple of us from League Two as well, but um, I thought at the time Warsaw would be the best fit for me. Um, like I said, obviously that was wrong, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Is there anything, James, you want to ask about it before we move away from crew? The one goal John got. Where Marcus Haber smashed it into your chest and it went in. Great was, it, was it off his, Was it off your chest though? That's the question. Absolutely not. <laughs> right off the testicle, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Tried getting out of the way, let it hit me. Peeled off like Alan Shearer. <laughs> All right. Okay. I've got some players that I'd like. Well, they overlap both of your uh, both your times at Crew. So I just like a few few sentences. What did you think of them at the time? Did you expect them to go on and have big careers? Some of them are doing quite well. Some of them are not doing as well as others. So we'll start with a loaned centre-back, Semi Ajayi. Mm, yeah, I, I I knew I didn't... He's probably gone and done better than I thought he would, to be honest. Um, I knew he was a good player. He had all the attributes, you know, he was rapid, he was massive and strong, good on the ball. Um, so I always thought he'd go on and, but, you know, go up in the championships and now we're playing in the premierships. Well, unbelievable for him. And not, as far as the, I think he's, you know, obviously the, their team's struggling, but personally, I think he's doing quite well. Um, so now nah, probably I knew he was good but probably done better than I thought he would to be honest mm, good player good player um, we'll go on to a young winger we also had in, in on loan uh, Harry Wilson again yeah Harry was a weird one because you could tell he was a good player but I'm not saying he, well, he didn't try but he was just uh, maybe a bit too he was, he was really young at the time probably didn't understand I think it was his first loan out from Liverpool he probably didn't understand you know, the men's side of it, or he was probably used to academy football. So, you, you know, technically and ability-wise, you know, especially in training, you could tell he was a good player. Again, wasn't convinced he's gone on to do as well as he has done, you know, to, you know, he's gone on and played for Wales. Uh, he's done really well on some loans. So, again, probably done probably done better than I thought he was going to. Um, the one that's just sprung to mind that isn't even on my list, uh, Neil Everidge. Neil, yeah, yeah. To be honest, I forget he was there. Um, again, <laughs> like, I'm obviously a rubbish judge of character because I always I knew these players were good, but um, they've gone in and done a lot better than I probably thought they would. Um, I remember thinking he was... He didn't play too many games for us, did he, Neil, really? I think he got injured quite early on. I think, was it his um, second game or first game he got injured? Yeah, so it was hard to tell. Obviously, you could say he was a, he was a good talk. He was, I remember thinking he was a massive... He was a great size, but, um, you know, like the others, he's gone on and done really well. Uh, one that Billy can talk about as well, uh, Ryan Colclough. Played against him literally two nights ago and he stuck one in. What a lovely goal. Yeah. Uh, he was, his ability was class, wasn't it, John? Yeah, he, he, was, when I, he was one of the best I've played with at Crew, to be fair. You know, ability-wise, he was, he was so, so good. And he's probably gone the other way 
to the others. He, I, I thought he'd probably, I know he's had some troubles off the pitch, but he's probably not done as well as I thought he would. Yeah. I spoke to Marcus Haber about a year ago and he said Ryan Colclough was the best technical player at the club while he was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Someone you've played against, John, uh, Greg Lee. Greg Lee, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Greg always sort of, he's probably sort of done as well. I knew he was a good player, not a good solid player. Um, literally spoke to him two nights ago. Got on with him now. Um, yeah, he, oh, like I said, he. I think he struggled right at the start um, of his loan, but he's ended up doing well. Um, obviously, he went out to Holland or something crazy, didn't he? Um, obviously, up in Aberdeen now. Um, so, yeah, I just remember thinking Greg was a good, solid player. He's a good athlete as well, especially for, you know, his, his size and that he's a good size. Um, done well, yeah. OK, I've got, I've got three more. We'll go with lone centre-back, who was fascinating at the time, Alan Tate. Alan Tate, yeah. <laughs> just just the most, like, calm guy ever. Just made just made it look, made you feel comfortable. Um, probably the slowest player I've ever played with. But, um, you know, on the ball technically and, you know, reading of the game was unbelievable. You could sort of tell, obviously he was coming towards the end of his career, but you could tell, like, he, he was a top player and he obviously, in his prime, he would have been unbelievable. And he put, um, put a lot of money in uh, in the kitty for the Christmas do as well. Sure he sorted us right out on the Christmas do one year. <laughs> Great sign. Yeah. Top bloke, top bloke. I remember someone blasted a pass back to him and he was about... 30 yards out and he just dummied it all the way back to well, probably Ben Garrett. And I just thought, what is he doing? As a, as a 15 year old at the time, I thought, this guy's crazy, but he turned out pretty good. Um, we'll go with Brad Inman. Do you want to take him, Bill? Well, you live with him. I did live with Brad, yeah. Brad was, Brad was very good. He just probably just, like you said, it, his attitude was just a bit, he could, he could be unbelievable one day and then he wouldn't really try the next. It was weird, but rapid as well. Yeah. Where's he now? Is he still Australia or is he no, gone like, out in India now? Yeah, he went to India. Um, he sort of, he sort of won. I sort of put him as Coco. I've probably thought he was going to go on and do better than he has, um, especially in his his first loan. He was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, Brad was. I always felt like he was not mismanaged, but he he was someone who needed a you know an arm around him, you know, to be told how good he was all the time. And you know, obviously being in a struggling team, we we weren't going to get that. Um, so I feel like. If you if you had a confident Brad, it'd be unbelievable. But probably didn't get that all the time. And um, the last one, George Cooper. Cooper, yeah. oh, absolute, just he's a nutter. To be honest. <laughs> like, hell of a left, like ability-wise, technical-wise, like his left foot is unbelievable. One of the best I've played with. Um, he's done better than like like in an academy in that because he had again good players in his age group. I think he's two below me. But he was never really tipped to be unbelievable. And sort of when he broke into the first team, I thought, I didn't realise he was he was that good. Um, but he's, he, his left, left foot's a wand. He's, he's unbelievable. And he's, I think he'll, he'll go higher. He had a connection with Ryan Lowe, didn't he, on the pitch? Was it something about an assist bonus? He'd get a piece of pizza or something? Yeah, I think it was by Menando's for every assist he got or something. <laughs> Obviously, now he's playing under him. Very true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you can't get past George Cooper without sort of thinking about the fact that Crew's media team improved a lot after he left the club as well. I don't know if you were at the club at the time where the Twitter put out a announcement and it was George Cooper has been sold to Peterborough. It annoyed quite a lot of the fan base at a time where the fan base was already quite annoyed. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember. 
getting absolutely slaughtered for it. I know, <laughs> the comments and everything. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say on that really. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the media team is something like the first team that sort of gone a bit better since then. You know, no offense, John. I know you're in the first team, but you know, uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. John, in fairness, John has gone on and got got better as well. Yeah, well, we'll get to John's uh, <laughs> the positives in John's career shortly. If we get back to the football, then that next season after you leave Crew, John, you're at Warsaw. Billy, you moved from Cheltenham to Northampton, both sort of stepping back up to League One. That feels pretty good, guys. Yeah, happy to sort of give League One another challenge, Billy. Yeah, definitely. Um, I had my two years at Cheltenham. Um... And when when the opportunity, like John said, comes to play League One, um, you know I had to take it, um, and it just felt right. Obviously, being there as a kid, um, so yeah, I was delighted when when it happened. Is League One quite a big step up from League Two? It can and it can't be. It's weird. Yeah, I think I think you get obviously League One's got some massive clubs in it now. I think so. I think like the top the top teams in League One to League Two is a big step, but. I, I I think there's I don't know I I think there's a lot of League Two teams that could cope in League One, like Crew Alexandra. Well, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I think the Championship's sort of the biggest step, isn't it? Yeah, I think that would be a big step, League One to Championship, just from seeing it and speaking to people. But I don't think there's a bigger one from League One and Two. Yeah, I think there's a statistic now. I, I can't name it, but I think there's a statistic now that says that the league where the clubs go up and then straight back down the most is now League One to Championship, whereas it used yeah. to be Championship to Premier League. The, the gap with all the money is filtered down to the Championship now. Yeah. And League One is where the money stops. But you see Rotherham, they're just up and down most years, aren't they? Yeah, and you know Peterborough, you can add into that as well. There's mm-hmm. a few. So obviously, John, you're at Warsaw. You've got two years there. You play most of the games, but you've, all, you've already alluded to the fact that you didn't really think it went so well. What was it that didn't go so well for you there? Well, obviously, another relegation on my CV. Um, like you said, I played a lot of games, you know, especially that first season. Played every minute of every game. Um, we stayed up, but just about. And then the second year. But to be honest, it was... I don't want to say too much, because I get hammered by the fans enough as it is. But it, it was quite... Um, it was it was bad atmosphere, sort of. Before, I remember signing and... The comments were just like they were slaughtering the manager, slaughtering the club. And so it was quite a toxic sort of club to come into. And then from there on in, obviously, look, don't get me wrong. Fans aren't going to be happy if your team's not doing well. But we were early on in the season. Um, and I, I remember my first home game, my first year there, my first home game. It was the second game of the season. We were 1-0 down to someone at halftime and they were booing us off. And I remember thinking, what is going on here? Um so it was just, and especially that second year, it was quite a toxic play because it wasn't a nice place to sort of be around, you know, go and turn up to games, sort of getting, like I said, you don't blame them for getting onto you because you, you, we were losing, but it was just quite a hard atmosphere to be around. Must have been unusual coming from the Steve Davis career to go to such a toxic uh, atmosphere there, John. <laughs> no, see, it's funny. At the t- when I was at Crew. I'll be honest, I remember thinking, oh, our fans aren't great. And I remember thinking, they're not great. But you sort of, since I've left, I've sort of realised, yeah, I compare them to the Walsall fans and there was, the difference was crazy, you know. Thinking back, especially, you know, the sort of years I was at Crew, really unsexual. They were actually pretty fair with us. Um, we deserved to stick when we got it. But, you know, they did get behind us. And that was sort of the difference. I felt like 
at games, crew fans got behind us. Um, you know, even even when things weren't going right, whereas at Walsall, it was you know from minute one, it was just like um, it was just hard to play because you know you could see everyone was so upset. It wasn't just as players. I don't think they were happy with the chairman and the manager and everything. So it was just it was just a lot of things going on. I think possibly we do gallows humour quite well at Crew, don't we? Billy, if we go back to you for a sec, you were at Northampton for three years, but I noticed you were loaned out every season. Have you got just a desire to play football? If you're not playing, you just want to go somewhere where you can play football. Is that what motivates you? Uh, yeah, I mean, sort of. I, I tried to get out from Northampton after my first year because Justin brought me in, Justin Edinburgh, and he was he was brilliant. And then he, he, he sort of got the sack after five games. And Jimmy came in and just didn't play me at all. Um, so the, the writing was on the wall. I, I, I knew I wasn't going to have a future at the club with him there. So I went on loan to Cambridge and really enjoyed my time there. That was in my first year. And sort of from then on, I sort of said, like, you know, I, I, I want to leave. Um, and they were happy for me to leave, but they just wanted money for me because uh, obviously they paid money for me through compensation to Cheltenham. So it, it proved just really difficult to get out um, and then in, in my second year, same thing happened again. I was in and out of the team, in and out, and went on loan back to Cheltenham in the January. And then after the two years there, they transfer listed me, and it was brilliant. I thought, yeah, I can go. But again, they wanted money again. So it just sort of kept blocking my move away, um, which killed me, really. So the three years deal actually sort of killed me looking back. I wish, on in hindsight, I'd, I'd have only signed two. Uh, but it never really happened for me at the club, to be honest with you. So, Billy, you've played a bit at the conference level, National League level, a bit at League Two, a bit at League One. Where do you feel that you belong as a footballer? Where, where's your belief of what you can do, where you can achieve the best? Uh, I think, well, the, the best season I had was, was in League Two. Um, and loans I've had in League Two have been, have been good as well. Um, so I'd, I'd probably say if we're looking at it like that, it, it would be League Two. Obviously, you you want to back yourself and and say you can, you know, I've played in League One and done and done well at League One. But I think over a consistent period, you know, I'd, I'd say League Two. Um, just circumstance and football, it's just it's been quite sporadic, really. Am I right in saying you got Player of the Season, Players Player of the Season, and Youth Player of the Season all in that first year in League Two? Yeah, yeah. Um, that 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 was that was the, undoubtedly the best season I've had in in football, um, and you know, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Although, similar to what John was saying, like that season we were struggling. We were in a relegation battle pretty much the whole season, so it wasn't nice sort of losing that many games. But on a personal note, it was a it was a really good season for me, um, playing week in week out, and yeah, I loved it. And if we just stick with you then, Billy, so at the moment you are back in the National League, but you're playing in a team that's currently flying, um, you know, the time we record this, you're top of the league. Hopefully you still are by the time people are listening to this. Um, getting back into League Two for you and for the club's got to be the aim then this season, is it? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, I've, I've worked with a gaffer here before at Cheltenham, Gary Johnson, and he's just got a formula for you know, winning leagues. Um, so I, I came down here in October uh, with, with with coronavirus and things like that. Being out of contract, it was a, it was a nightmare, to be honest with you. Um, so the gaffer said, you know, come down. And I came down and from day one, I loved it. The 
the lads were great. The the clubs run the right way. So um, it's been it's been a really good season so far in terms of the club. We're flying at the top of the table, like you said, and yeah, I'm I'm enjoying myself down there. How long do you got a signed contract for? Are you going to be there next season? Month to month at the moment, really. Um, Gaff has sort of said he wants me here for the season. Um, so, but it, it's just it's unprecedented times, isn't it? Um, and four hours away from home isn't ideal. Um, my girlfriend's not too happy about that, but it is what it is. And you know, I'm I'm enjoying my football down there, so it's going well. Yeah, I mean, I went to uni in Plymouth, so I know all about that journey and how. You get to Bristol, you think you're almost there, and you just yeah. not. Know at all. Oh, yeah. Every time I get to Bristol, I think, "Oh my word, there's another two hours to go here." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's the price you pay if you want to live on the English Riviera, Billy. Yeah, it is. It is beautiful. I'm looking forward to summer here. If I'm still, you know, if if we're allowed out and things, it it should be nice. Yeah. Um. So, John, moving to you then. You're not on the English Riviera at the moment. Oh. Um, <laughs> Far from it. It sounds to me like you didn't really enjoy your time at Warsaw. Um, it, are things going better for you up in Scotland at Livingston? Definitely, definitely. You know, I sort of got the bug back, if you will. Um, obviously, it helps the teams, you know, coming up here. I, one of the other lads I was at Warsaw with, he came up here um, and he sort of sold it to me. Um, but I wasn't really sure what to expect. Obviously, it's a completely different league. Moving up here was a big step. Um and he sort of said they'd only been in the Premiership the year before I'd signed. They'd only been, they got promoted the year before that. Um, Steve sort of said, look, the club just wants to sort of stay up. Because um, it's in terms of clubs in the in the Premiership, it's quite a small club. But, um, you know, last year finishing fifth, finishing fifth and then we're on course for another top six finish this year and get into a League Cup final. It's, just, it's been amazing, to be honest. Yeah, so you just touched on that then. Again, like we just said with Billy, at the moment you're fifth in the league. You know, Hopefully you are still there or slightly higher by the time people are listening to this. But when this episode is due to be released, you're going to be a couple of days away from playing in the Scottish League Cup final. Um, would I be right in guessing that's going to be the biggest game of your career so far? Definitely, yeah, comfortably, to be honest. Um, you know, it wasn't something, you know, I thought was going to happen um, signing here. Um, you know, it's such a, such a big achievement. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely the biggest game of my career, you know, playing in the semi-final probably was to then, you know, obviously win that and get to the final. It's just a whole other level, yeah. Um, and there's obviously a couple of things with the cup final. You're going to be playing at Hampton Park, which is, I assume, amazing for you. Mm. But then there's also the fact that there's not going to be any fans there, which would not be quite so amazing. Um, yeah. How long is it since Livingston got to a final of a cup? Do you know? I think it's... Oh, I'm going to get it wrong, I know I am, but I think it's something like 16 or 17 years. They've only, they've only ever won it once before in their history. Um, and I think, I think they've been in the final twice in their history. I think this is the third time in their history or something. So it must be gutting then. I mean, you must be hearing from the fans. It must be gutting the fact that there's a generation of fans that just won't have seen this before. No, no, exactly. It was, to be fair, the, the semi-final was at Hampton as well. Um, so we've sort of experienced it. And, you know, obviously it's great to play at the national stadium everything but then you sort of turn up and like you said it's empty you know you wish all your all the fans were there you, you you know opportunities like this you don't know if it will come again so all my friends and family aren't able to be there it's just just bad luck one of those things but um nah to, to win it would be absolutely amazing um you know like I said especially the sort of the size of the club we're massively overachieving so just to win it would be amazing 
I saw something the other day on Twitter, but I think Russ, you saw it as well. I think you might be know what I'm talking about. Do you want to ask this one? It was um, it was someone who said, "Is John Guffrey the best centre back in the SPL outside of Rangers?" Yeah, I think that yeah, was my dad tweet. That's Billy. That one. <laughs> well, I saw it and I messaged John straight away. I said, "Like John, you're the best centre half in the league." <laughs> and I won't tell you what he replied, but it wasn't, it wasn't a modest reply. Uh, no, nah, but he's having an unbelievable season. I said to him, you know, he just Mr. Consistent, isn't you? But yeah, like I said, it's just been amazing. Obviously, I've just the team's done amazingly. Obviously, it's gone well for me individually. Um, so yeah, just couldn't couldn't have run out any better, really. In a crucial, you um, in a hundred and thirty-seven-ish games, you scored uh, one goal with your testicle and <laughs> one brilliant uh, Robin van Persie-esque own goal for Livingston. You're running at a eleven goals in fifty games. What's happening? Yeah, I don't know to be honest. Um, no, it's it's weird. We're quite a big team. We work quite a lot on our set pieces, and I mean, even in myself, you know, when I was at Crew, I was looking back. I was quite like a skinny, weak, weak bloke, really. Um, like my games changed a lot since I've been at Crew. I've sort of probably sacrificed a little bit of the technical stuff I had at Crew. To, you know been better at you know particularly coming up here you, they've sort of been good at the other side of the game you know the physicality of it using your body um is something we work on a lot on, a lot on up here um and yeah we to be honest we chuck in free kicks from anywhere on the pitch we just get we just send the center backs up so i do end up getting a lot of chances and you know the ball just seems to be landing to, to me at the moment well, I was going to ask John, so obviously we always sort of uh, hear questions about what is the standard of Scottish football compared to English football. Could we just go on the John Guthrie scoring ratio and sort of, you know, use it as that, that it's not as good as League One? Would, would that be fair, John? Um, I don't know. I <laughs> Obviously, it's, it's certain teams. Like obviously, the Celtics and Rangers are miles ahead. Um, it's, it's so hard. To, honestly, it's so hard to know. It's a, the pay... The, the thing about League One and League Two that makes it harder, I think, is the amount of games and all the travelling and stuff compared to up here. See, I think, you know, team-wise, I think the Scottish Prem, there's obviously taken Celtic and Rangers out of it. It's a combination of League One and Two teams. Because I, sort of, I try and compare it. Obviously, it's hard to compare because I've only been in League One teams that haven't done particularly well. But uh, this is this is definitely, you know, the best, the best group of players um, I've played with. Um, and I'd like to think, you know, we could sort of, we would, we would hold our own in League One, but you know, sort of, if you're looking at the, don't want to disrespect them, but the lesser teams in Scotland, they, I think, I'd like, to, I think they're more League Two. Um, so I think it's a combination of both, but I think I do think it's hard to say because it is different styles as well. It's so much quicker up here. The games, everything's just end to end. It's non-stop. Um, whereas you probably got teams who are technically better down there, uh, especially like your crews or whatever. But um, it'd be interesting to see. It really would be because it is hard to see. It must be pretty good, though, running out at Ibrox. And oh, yeah. Honestly, the, the games, you know, obviously not as good this year, no fans. But the games there last year, obviously, you know, well, we obviously we lost them all. State. They weren't that fun. But um, to go out there in front of, you know, 60,000 fans or whatever. And they're so passionate as well. They're, they're unbelievable. The fans, I have to admit, fans up here are unbelievable. Um, even like your teams like Aberdeen's, your Hibs, they get great fan bases um so, you know it's playing those sort of games is obviously a step up to anything that I played played at down there you scored two didn't you against Hibernian yeah I've scored a couple against them yeah um yeah like I said actually no have I 
Yeah, no, I have. Sorry, yeah. One last season, one this season, yeah. So many um, goals, isn't it, John? You just can't remember. It's hard to keep up. You know, obviously, I've got the Celtic goals. I've got the hit goals. <laughs> It'd be catching you up, Billy, if you stay in Scotland any longer. He actually will. <laughs> um, so, as I said, this pod's going to be released on the Thursday. Uh, if you're listening to it before Sunday uh, and you fancy cheering John on as an ex-crew player, it's 2 o'clock Sunday the 28th of Feb. should be on the telly, I presume. Well, it's on, it's on a dodgy, that Premier TV or something. They've got the rights for it or something. So Premier Sports, okay. I think. That's might it. be on Free Sports. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so it might take a little bit of digging out then if you're, uh, if you're down in England. Yeah, yeah. Free Sports is, a, uh, is on Freeview and Sky and all those ones. But Premier Sports you have to pay for. Cheers, Russ. Just helping out the boys, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so at this stage then, I mean, I'm hoping I got these ages right. Billy, you're 26. John, you're 28. Yes. <laughs> good confirmation uh, so there's obviously still quite a bit of football left for both of you what do you want to achieve where do you want to sort of, with Billy you sort of said League 2 is where you want to be at next season have you got any long term plans have you got any idea what you're going to be doing after football yet or is that something you've not thought about um, I think it's something you think about more and more as the years go by to be honest I've sort of dabbled looking into degrees and things like that it's, it's quite tough to know what you know you get a lot of people saying what, what you'd be good at what you wouldn't be good at um it's just it just depends what you want to do really um i'm very passionate about uh, watches um so i'd like to sort of get into the watch industry um selling them or, or what have you so that's sort of i'm researching into to that and trying to learn the industry basically if you see Billy walk around your town with a big coat on, you know, you know what he's going to try and sell you out of it. <laughs> and then sell whatever. Oh, so, yeah. Can, can you explain what the sentence passionate about watches really means, Billy? So what, just, uh, just yeah, men's watches. I love everything about them, sort of like, John thinks I'm a freak for it, but like... That's not normal, is it? <laughs> You'd be surprised, man. Uh, so yeah, that, I just I, I love like learning about them. So that I just want to get into the industry selling them. Basically, if I could like, cause you know, I won't get into it too much because I'll bore you all with it. <laughs> well, I mean, I had the impression, you know, when I asked that question, oh, I want to be a coach, I want to be a scout, I want to stay. I, a million years, I wouldn't have come up with watch salesman as your future <laughs> after football. Oh yeah, no, I t- that that's that's one thing that I know I don't want to do to be honest, is is stay in, in football just because, you know, I'd, I'd love to just try them out at something else. Um, it's not something that I want to do. Some people love football and want to do it all their lives. I, I get that, but it's just not for me. When I spoke, again, spoke to Pete Morse uh, and told him that you guys were coming on, he said that, you know, you've got a future in the top 40 charts, Billy. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Well, I do love my music as well, yeah. that That would be the dream. People will say, would you would you rather been a footballer or a rock star? Hundred percent, it's a rock star all day. Um, you've still got time after the football career, you know. Uh, yeah, like even if I want an X Factor now, I'd be in the over twenty fives. It's, it's just, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll see. That's the dream. For the people at home who might not have heard it, if you go on YouTube and search in something like Billy Waters sings uh, "Don't Look Back in Anger" and "Angels." Uh, the Cheltenham end of season dinner or something. It's it's fantastic uh, listening. To be fair. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was uh, th- that was after a fair few pints. I think at the end. Of- 
easy. And what about you then, John? What have you thought about for the future? Back to waitros. Yeah, it could be back to waitros. <laughs> Obviously, I've got a couple of years on beer as well, so it's getting closer for me. Um, now, nah, to be honest, I've I genuinely no idea. Um, like Bill, sort of. I, I, I don't think I, I don't want to go down sort of the coaching direction. Um, I, but I genuinely don't know. It's something I, I do think about a lot. Um, you know, my missus and my mum, they're always on to me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? But I just genuinely don't know. Obviously, I've sports always been like my passion, especially when I was younger. But in what, no idea what I'm going to end up doing. So probably Waitrose is top of the list right now. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> So we get lots of um, like ex-crew players are sort of like encouraged to go down the coaching route. That's not something that was sort of said to you or was it? And you just not really sort of fussed when, um, when you were there. That was probably more for you, but that's sort of the academy boys. They're always on to you, weren't they? Yeah, no, it's, I think it's obviously you do it uh, when you're a scholar um, with education, you've got to do your level two coaching badges. Um so I think it, there was never any pressure of, of, of what to do, but crew were always very good. Like Harry, Clayton, like they, they sorted him out with coaching. Um, I spoke to Max and Max was thinking about doing it. So crew as a club definitely help people out. If Say if I wanted to say, oh, I'm interested in getting into coaching, they'd definitely help out with that. Uh, but they never pressurising you said, I'll be a coach afterwards. I think it's just either you want to do it or you don't. Um, for me, I think I just... I just wouldn't. It's just not something that really interests me. I think I'd, I'd get the itch to to, to want to be playing rather than than just coaching. So everyone, but everyone's different. John, who is the toughest opponent you've come up against in the SPL? Uh, Edward. Odison Edward. Yeah. Yeah. Is he yeah. just way above? Yeah. Obviously, di- Morelos is good, but they're sort of different players. I think Morelos is more. Morelos is like a handful because he's just in your face and physical, but Edward's like. Ability-wise, he's he's frightening. If he's on, if he's if he's having a good day, there's only so much you can do to stop him. Really, he's top quality. Just before John joined the call, we were talking to Billy, and Billy said there was something that John said was the most stupid answer to a question. Would you like to share? Yeah, yeah. grow up, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember the question now. I can. So, well, <laughs> I'll ask. I'll ask everyone. Like, so, does anybody know what the most sold? book worldwide is i'm fairly sure it's the bible correct yeah it is so so my mum's asking us so my mum's we were in costa one day my mum's asking us like quiz questions and so she's gone okay so the rule was is we'd have to we could think about it and then on three we'd both answer so my mum said all right what's the most sold book worldwide and i think i'd had it before in a quiz so i knew it was the bible so i've gone like yep ready so john's gone no no hang on and i could see his brain like just like working and he was, he's gone, can it be a children's book? So my mum's gone, yeah, it can be anything you want. So I'm thinking, all right, fair enough. He's thinking Harry Potter, um, you know, good, good guess, but obviously it's not the, the right answer. So like, we, yeah, ready? He's gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like one, two, three. So I've gone the Bible. John's gone one, two, three. He's gone, where's Wally? <laughs> Everyone read Where's Wally as a kid. And then like, you gone with Where's Wally? And he went, because when I was a kid, I used to go to the library and it, it was never there. It was all, always been taken up. Very popular where I'm from, Where's Wally? Right. I think I'm going to call it a day before John leaves. <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming on. Really enjoyed that. Cheers for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Yeah, not at all. Um, good luck to you with the rest of this season. Like I say, both flying at the minute with your two clubs that you're at. 
And then I hope you have the winners' medals that we want you to have at the end of this season, you know, cup finals, national league, uh, and then in the rest of your career, and then end up selling as many watches as you can, Billy. <laughs> Russ, James, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you, as ever, for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, bloom.